Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Galatians chapter 1, we are going to be looking at verses 3 through 5. Let's read them together. The Bible says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Father God, help me tell the truth from Your Word with the right attitude. Help Your saints be edified. Amen. Amen. Let's start with this morning, the centrality of the Gospel. Where does grace come from? Where does peace come from? Grace is not earned. It's not merited. It's not worked for. It can't be bought. It can't be purchased. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. The Bible says, My grace is sufficient for thee. What is peace? A little boy once said, peace is when you feel all smooth inside. <laughs> Thought that's pretty good. Peace. The effect of the knowledge of what God has done. That's peace. By saving you by His grace. When you have peace, from God, we no longer have this unsettling feeling. There's no more fear of God's judgment. There's no more fear of hell. That uncomfortable feeling is gone. You know, when people talk to you about God, you know how you felt before you were saved? Someone brought up God. Someone brought up Jesus Christ. And they weren't using his name as a curse word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We don't have that uncomfortable feeling anymore. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's not found in the world. How can you get this peace where you're ready to die? The world doesn't understand that. How can you get this peace where you're ready to live for Jesus Christ? The world can't understand that. How many verses of the hymn should we sing? When we were lost, we'd listen to the same song over and over and over and over again. I want all the verses. I want to sing God's praise as much as I can. The world doesn't understand that. How? Peace of God, that's why it says, which passeth all understanding it's genuine it's real and it's rooted in the reality of christ how's that for like a little baptist tagline no it's all the you gotta line up all the letters you know you know you know you got it it's free it's joyful and it makes you feel smooth inside (laughs) that's peace that's god's peace Both grace and peace are gifts. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, 
The God of love and peace shall be with you. 17 times we see this phrase come up in the New Testament in some way or another. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, 17 times. You can't have peace without grace. Not true reality, biblical peace. It's a spiritual peace that's found in Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible calls Him what? The Prince of Peace. I know we're reviewing some basics here this morning, but as we go verse by verse, I don't want to look over the person of the Gospel. It's easy to read through this and it says, what? Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. The end of verse 3 right there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, He's the Master. Lord, He's Supreme. He's the Lord of Lords. The Bible says, the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. The Bible says, trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. We've all got strength. It'll wear out after 10 push-ups, but we all have strength. (laughs) It'll wear out after working out in the yard on a Saturday. It'll wear out after fixing in the kitchen and keeping house on a Saturday. It's gone. We're not talking about that. We've got a spiritual strength. We praise God for it. Jesus, people don't want to say Jesus anymore. There's this big movement now going on where Yeshua. Well, one, you don't speak Hebrew. (laughs) Two, you don't want to name the name that's above every name. And if you haven't run into these folks, you will. They're called black Hebrew Israelites. And yes, they're in the South. (laughs) They don't want the name of Jesus to be made. Again, they think they're Israel and they're not. But people don't want Jesus's name mentioned unless it can be used irreverently or unless it can be used as a cuss word. And Christ, that's the Messiah, the Son of God. And that's where grace and peace comes from. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 4. Look what the Bible says. Who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Look at the work that Christ did for us. He gave Himself. That's on your behalf. That's on my behalf. It's it's noticing and recognizing and really wrapping our minds around the fact that Jesus is completely unselfish. It's not a struggle of, that's my toy! He's completely unselfish. And He gave Himself. And then what did it say? For our sins. Mm -hmm. Your sins demands your death. My sin demands my death. Christ died so that we don't have to die in our sins. It's a substitutionary death. Grab 2 Corinthians chapter number 5.
That's why without Christ, here, here's, here's the deal. You and I sin, the wage is death. We die. Payment for our sins is eternity in hell. And so 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, For He hath made Him right. to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. You can't bring right favor to God. You're not special. Right. I'm not special. You're not right. I am not right. Oh, but there's somebody that is Amen. completely righteous. Praise His holy name for what He did. Praise the Lord. But here's the great question. And this is why the book of Galatians is so key to understanding grace. Did this really work? You know, this whole cross work stuff. People ask, and Christians, or so-called Christians, did the death of Christ, did it really accomplish the goal and God's purpose? This goes through their mind. This goes through people's heads. Don't we really need to consider that something else just might have to be added to Jesus on the cross? I mean, I really do want to make sure my sins are forgiven. Shouldn't we just be sure and add something just to be sure that God's purpose can be accomplished? Now, folks, I'm telling you, that's Romanism wrapped up oh, yeah. right there. I grew up Roman Catholic. I believed that Jesus was God. I believed in the deity of Christ. I believed in the virgin birth. I believed that Christ died on the cross for our sins. You say, well, how come you weren't saved? Well, because you have to add stuff to that. Yeah. Like Mary is the mediatrix, which isn't in the Bible and you need to have your sins purged in a place called purgatory, which isn't in the Bible. Right. Are these bad people? They're not. But they just asked all those questions that I just said to you. That's what they ask. Yeah. And you know how they answer them? Yeah, we've got to add something to be sure. Yeah. Just be careful how you witness to people. We love to blast Romanism. We love it. But I'm telling you, those people are sincerely convinced, but we know on the other side of it, they're sincerely wrong. Right. You know how I got saved? I had about two or three people take their time every time I had a question. Of course, after I got saved, I didn't take that same approach. I wanted to blast everybody I knew that was <laughs> Roman Catholic, and I'm not suggesting you do that, but you just get so excited that yeah. you know you just... You become your own worst enemy. But praise God, He brought me through it. Um, so here's the great answer. That's the great question people ask. The great answer is absolutely not. You don't have to add anything to it. And this is what these Galatians are trying to yeah. figure out here in this book. Galatians is written to 100% reaffirm that Christ's death on the cross completely satisfied the wrath of God. Yeah, yeah. It's 100% effective and nothing has to be added to it. Amen. Now, there's two cliffs to fall off on. One side of the cliff is, 
Church of Christ members, you got to be baptized to be saved. If you ain't wet, you ain't right. And you got to get in the water. And they just don't believe that you can be saved apart from being dunked in water. They just don't. No matter how you try to slice it, they don't believe that. That's a cliff over here. Now there's another cliff over here. Grace. Well, I can do whatever I want. Now, when you see, I'm not going to get into dispensations this morning. That's not the title of, or purpose of our message. But when you see dispensational church listed, you need to be careful. You need to be real careful because dispensational church means they're a Paul-only church. They're a hyper-dispensational church. So you need to be careful. You've got to understand terms. And what they believe is, well, you see, Genesis all the way through Acts 9, God just dealt with, well, not really the law, just earthly things, physical things. And now from Acts 9 to Philemon, now God deals in grace. And so just like circumcision is spiritual now, baptism is spiritual now. So you really don't have to go and get baptized. There's another cliff over here. That's one of the reasons why, although we'll go through dispensations at another time, that we have Baptist on the sign so that people understand we, what we believe about baptism. <laughs> By the way, you know why they called John the Baptist? Well, the same reason they call Nathan a plumber. He plums. You know what John did? He baptized people. <laughs> you know what we do after somebody gets saved? We, we, we hope that they would follow the pattern that we see all believers in the New Testament. They get baptized. But to say that that is a work that you need to do to add to your salvation is wrong. But let's not fall off the cliff on the other side and say, well, everything's spiritual. Well, it it is, but we need to define those things. All right, so there's there's cliffs on both sides. We want to be biblically balanced as best that we can. I hope that was a help to you. Now watch what the Bible says the purpose. The purpose is of Christ giving Himself for our sins. Galatians 1.4, look in the middle of the verse. That He might deliver us from this present evil world. Amen. The purpose is deliverance. The unselfishness again of Christ provides instantaneous salvation. Here's how the deliverance works a few different ways. One, we all know this, we're delivered from the bondage of sin. Christ won the victory. We're on the winning side. By God's grace, He he won the victory over sin and death for us. Now, if you're saved, that's in the past. You've been saved, that happened instantaneously. In the present... And this is where Galatians come in, comes in, I, I believe. As we go through this book, I think we'll be really excited and encouraged. We're sanctified by His grace. Yeah. I mean, we really are. It's not like 
I can do some works in my flesh and you can do some good works in your flesh. Yeah, see, I'm sanctified. Yeah, bless God. I got up, put on a suit, and came to church today. Man, I'm sanctified. You're not. Right. <laughs> we can't do anything to sanctify ourselves. It's in the Spirit. We yield and we try to live our lives according to the Spirit. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Not our ability to keep laws and commands or our inability to keep laws and commands. But here's how it works. I'm telling you, this is how it works. Everybody has their line. You know, since we're in church, we call them spiritual standards. And our spiritual standards make us a spiritual giant amongst everyone else. Except we're not really spiritual giants. God is. And we really should humble ourselves and try to live by the Spirit. But we have our line. I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this, I don't do that. So when we see somebody else that does that, well, they can't be right with God. I'm telling this is funny. I'm either going to get myself in trouble or you're going to laugh. So I'll know by your reaction if I did good. My kids haven't seen Disney really ever. (laughs) We don't have Disney books. We don't have Disney movies. I just think it's a humanistic outfit. Um, Flying out of Orlando airport a lot. Mickey has a wizard's hat on. It's always let your conscience be your guide. And I never thought little boys got much out of learning from Peter Pan. So, okay. Now, so we're, we're, we're down um, at, at, at our, our home church this, this past week, we stay with some friends. Well, my friend, he's an old Vietnam vet. He's got all these channels. So he puts Disney on. My kids for the first time saw Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. And to see a child's reaction when they laugh at Donald Duck, how he talks, it's, I guess that's kind of precious when you, you let them watch Disney. I'm telling you, as much as I have a conviction, I've got to be careful. You've got to be careful that we don't start making rules and commands up to exclude or include people in the group. A character mouse, as long as they're not putting wizardry and witchcraft, I let the kids watch the show. For a couple of reasons. One, there really wasn't anything wrong with it. Two, let's say they slipped in a little humanism. I would hope they'd be strong enough to see it. And I'd hope that I wouldn't be one of these dads that just goes wacko crazy. Do you see the struggle that goes in in our hearts and minds as we try to balance out what do we do? You can't say somebody isn't right with God because they went to the tragic kingdom. (laughs) You can't. That's why Galatians lays out, we've got to be careful that we don't start adding rules and commandments even to our sanctification. Mm -hmm. 
women shouldn't work outside the home. Bless God, my wife, she'll never step a foot and work in a... Okay, great. Good for you. But what do you do if she's a single mom and her husband left her? Do you see why we need to be very, very careful? Everybody knows that a woman that works outside the home, she can't possibly be a good mother. Huh? What are you talking about? We need to be careful. We need to be real careful that we don't institute our laws and our rules and our commands to popishly declare somebody sanctified. It's God's grace. Yeah. It's God's grace. If you're a preacher, you got a standard on everything. You got a you got a statement of faith on everything. We got to be careful. Galatians is a book that says, let's be careful. Saved by God's grace, we're sanctified by God's grace. I hope you're not upset at me that I let my kids watch Disney. Now, last one, deliverance is going to be by grace too. Specifically talking about the rapture. Well, the rapture is not in the Bible. Okay, the blessed hope. The blessed hope is in the Bible. That's That's when we're going to meet, we're going to be caught up. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. Now, someone don't understand this. They said to me one time, well, how many second comings are there? What he was going with, he thought that Baptists believe in two second comings. And so I quickly had to help him understand the difference between the blessed hope and the second coming. Now, the blessed hope, Christ is not touching his feet on Mount Olives. We're caught up. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. You know what that's by? God's grace. We're delivered by his grace. Nobody's going to be like Mighty Mouse. Oh, I did it again. I used to watch that as a kid. I don't know why that came to my mind. Mickey Mouse, Mighty Mouse, but... No one's going to take themselves up and go meet the Lord. It's by His grace. It's by His grace. We're justified. We're sanctified. We're glorified all by God's grace. We can't do anything to justify ourselves. Commandment keeping cannot sanctify us. We must rely on the Holy Spirit. And that's what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. We're glorified by God's grace. Now, this is in the last part of the verse. But it's utterly important. I just want to stop, pause, and park. What motivated the cross work of Christ? Last part of the verse. According to the will of God and our Father. It's 100% in accord with God's will. The Gospel is according to the will of God. Our deliverance is according to the will of God. Our lives should align with the will of God. That's how we live our lives. And our Father, let's go to John 8, 44, please. And John 4, well, just go to John 8, 44. Familiar passage of Scripture. John 
John 8, 44, the Bible says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. If you're saved, you have a new father now. And the Bible said, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We were in lies when we got saved. We were made alive because we were in truth. That's Jesus Christ. We're in Him. We're not in lies anymore. Very important. The devil ain't our father. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall perish. Never. Well, what if they... They shall never perish. How can a Christian do, they shall never perish? I don't understand how a blood-washed, saved child of God can do and then fill in the blank. I don't. But I'll say this, why do you do dumb stuff? Why do I do dumb stuff? I would never do that. No, you would never do that because the circumstances haven't presented themselves to you. I wouldn't do that because the circumstances haven't presented themselves to you. You know why a lot of people don't witness on the street or go door knocking or hold Scripture signs or open air preach? Because they'll get in the flesh. (laughs) You watch somebody curse God. Go to a football game and hold some Scripture signs and open air preach and watch somebody throw uh, some beer on you. Oh, bless God, they spat in Jesus' face. They can spit in mine until they do. Aren't we all like that? Until they do. It's hard. It's hard. I'm not saying I got it figured out. This stuff's easy to preach. It's not easy to live. In this eternal life, they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. There's only one true God. He's a triune God. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Uh, let's go over to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at this and then one more verse. First John chapter number 4. The kids went bowling. They had something at between these these conferences. So wife and I are sitting. Well, because we got a break the first time, and <laughs> so we're like, send the kids bowling. We're gonna sit and just not talk or do anything. <laughs> Have some peace. <laughs> so I turn the TV on. I'm flicking through a Balboa. Now, if you come from South Jersey, that's a big deal, you know, because they got the Rocky statue right out right out in South Philadelphia. I'm thinking, should I watch it? I'm just telling you. It's so easy to get sucked back into the world. It is. It is. So, so, so easy. So we need, we need to be careful. 1 John chapter number 4, 
verse 9 and 10. Let's see what the Bible says. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So what did Christ, or what did God do? What did He do? We see in First John here that He sent His Son. He did the sending. It shows the deity of the sender and then the deity of the one that was sent. That's verses 9 and 10. Now go down to verse 14 and look what it says. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So what did God do? He sent His Son. What did God send His Son to be? The Savior. The Savior of the world. And here in verse number 14, we see clearly the Father as the sender and the Son as the one as the Savior. God the Father serving as the sender. God the Son serving as the Savior. So we see both of those. The deity in 9-10 through 10 of both the sender and the one sent. And then verse 14 breaks it down as Father the sender, Son is the Savior. A lot of S's. Yeah. You get all that, right kids? Sender, Son, Savior. Yeah, okay. Last verse. Go back to Galatians chapter 1. And let's wrap up in verse number 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. Yeah. Amen. There's no problem with the Gospel. There's no problem with Christ's work on the cross. We don't have to add anything to it. There's no problem with God's ability to deliver us. There's no problem with the deity. None of that's a problem. The problem always relies in man's response. Oh, see, there's a work. Hold on. The Spirit of God is wooing us and drawing us. Without that, none of us would choose God. So we're not a Calvinistic church. Man is not the initiator in this thing. God is the initiator. He gave us the ability to respond. Now, if it initiated with man, now we have a problem. But it didn't initiate with man. Why does it say none seek after God and then the Bible says seek after God? Well, the Holy Spirit is involved in this wooing and this drawing and God is the initiator in this. And He's given man the ability to respond. Not as the initiator. God is the initiator. So, all right, we, if you're saved, you've had the positive response. God be the glory. To God be the glory. The glorification of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the positive Christian response. We have a hostile response from some unbelievers. Not all. Some unbelievers, they will just curse our God 
They will hate him and want to live completely just wickedness. But then some unbelievers are just indifferent. No, I can take it or leave it. I don't know. Hey, does it work for you? Oh, good. No, that's fine. That's great. Yeah, sure. I'm sure he's a good guy. I just don't know really for sure. You know, I... they don't hate our God. You could make that work. And I guess in some ways they are because we're all enemies of God. But they're not really hostile. They're just indifferent. Both of those reasons is why we should go. That's right. Go out. Don't keep it in the church. Mm. So the world wants. Just keep it in the church. Go. Both those reasons. But you know what the Galatians are dealing with? To God be the glory? They're not dealing with indifference or hostility. What they're dealing with is a perversion of the Gospel. Which is adding to it. And so they're in risk now of going backwards. You don't have to add anything to it. These are the partial believers because they don't really, really get it. And these are the false teachers that these Galatian people in these Galatian churches are dealing with. I'll close with this. I want to go back to the unselfishness of Jesus. And we see what He did. He was sent. We see who He was sent to be. And His unselfishness is what I'm asking all of us today to consider as the reason and the grateful response to give Him glory and praise by saying to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Would you bow with me please? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thanks for allowing me the privilege to be able to teach it. Hope I did a good job with the right attitude. Hope your saints were edified. Lord, we honestly do want you to be glorified here. Help us to stick with the Bible, not with tradition, not with rules, commandments. Help us to want to live for you because we love you and we're grateful for what you did for us. Not in fear that if we do or don't do something, we could potentially lose our salvation or not even have it. Help us to really understand it's by grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.